At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of A Little Wiser. I'm here with associate producer Tara Daigle. Hello, Tara. Hi, Kimmy. We had a really fun membership Zoom last night. Oh my gosh, it was so good. I mean, in general, I don't think Zooms are fun. And somehow you get on and... I don't know. It's the end of the day. You put the day behind you. Everyone was in such a good mood and connected and meaningful, interesting conversation. And it was an hour. It was really great. I love yeah. our I love our people. I love this community. And it was a reminder too, just what a difference it makes to connect with other people and see other human beings, <laughs> even if it's just over Zoom. So thank you to everyone who was with us last night. Yeah, totally. Shout out to our members and some of our guests that were on too, which is always cool to see. Great. Yeah, it was good. Good energy yeah. all around. I loved it so much. Yeah. So next time listeners join us, it is worth it. Today we are going, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, Kara Robinson Chamberlain is a force. When she was 15, she was kidnapped in broad daylight and like in her friend's front yard watering plants and basically held captive for 18 hours where she was essentially assaulted, sexually assaulted for most of that time. And she escaped. Eventually, she would find out that her captor was a serial murderer who had killed, taken the lives of three other teenage girls, two of whom were sisters. It's a very heavy subject matter because of all those things. Kara has many remarkable aspects of her story. One of the main ones being how she immediately went into fact-gathering mode down to serial numbers when she was trapped in the apartment, memorizing the magnet with the doctor and the dentist and gathering and capturing all this information because she had this core belief that she would escape. And she knew if she es escaped, that information would lead to the capture and arrest of her captor. One of the things I loved about her episode, and she has her own true crime podcast, is that well, the story is incredibly high stakes, dramatic. We're talking about a kidnapping. She takes it to a completely 
different and deeper level of the psychology of that experience, of what happens to her within her body, of how your brain shifts into this mode. In her case, she went to logic and gathering information. So she's able to talk about the details, the specifics, which are insanely dramatic, right? Like you're watching a bad film. But she is at the same time explaining and her physical experience in this really detailed and thoughtful way. Her information did lead to the police finding him. He eventually killed himself during a high speed chase at the end of a high speed chase. But as a result, he was linked to these three other murders and those families were able to have, I think closure is always a tough word, but were able to understand what had happened and who was responsible. And Kara was able to connect with those families. Again, a really dramatic story, but one that since people have listened, several people have said that was so many, that there were so many interesting angles that were unexpected in telling a story that could be told in a very predictable way and was not. Yeah. Number one, our brains are remarkable when it goes into like survival mode and tries to protect us. And during the episode, during her telling her story, I hate to like would have, could have, should have, and put yourself in that position. But in my mind, I was like, there's no way I would be able to do that, you know? But you just never know because your brain goes into protection mode. I want to talk more about what you just said about inserting our self or our perceptions of what we would or wouldn't do in these traumatic situations because it's actually really came up for me in a couple of different ways in hearing her talk and share herself with me and with our listeners. But I'm wondering what came up for you listening, what stuck out and what resonated with you personally. I think I was just shocked that she was able to just go into this very logical, collect information, survive, escape uh, mentality at 15 years old. Crazy. Because I, like I said, I don't know if I could do that now at 35. But I think the piece where she really breaks down later in the episode about oh, he was such a nice guy or a good person. And she said she's gotten feedback when she makes those statements. Like we sat on the couch and talked for a little while and I got to know who he is. And she was just shining a little bit of light on captors, people. How would I describe someone like this? There's no significant stereotype of someone that is going to kidnap a 15-year-old little girl, right? So in hindsight, people are always like, oh, but he was such a nice guy. And yeah, I guess he was a little off. I could see it now. But she just had to remind herself throughout the time she was there to just get through it. She's like, I know I need to appease this situation for the end goal and to have such a clear stream of thought, I think, during such heightened emotion and this traumatic experience was just remarkable to me and how she was able to experience everything, disassociate her mind and body from each other and focus on getting free. 
There's so many things that fascinated me about when she talked about co-regulation, about how that dance of knowing I need to keep him calm enough. I have this feeling that my that I will escape, that I will gather this information, and that this will lead to his capture. And in order to do that, I need to listen enough, obey enough, manage my own energy emotions so his stay regulated. And again, all these people are like, how in the F did you know? How are you taking in this information? How are you understanding how to co-regulate the energy and emotions of a captor? The first thing you brought up, which totally stood out for me and I think is fascinating to think about, is her saying... At times, he was a really nice guy. And people having a really strong, judgmental, confused reaction to that observation and her sharing that. She almost felt ashamed. But that was her truth. That was her experience, is that at times, it was like I was sitting on the couch watching TV and having this casual conversation, turn it on and turn it off. So he could go, it appears to being nice and casual with her and then sadistic and violent. And she was speaking the truth of both those observations. If you think about it, and it's true in our society in general, when people watch trials or they hear about stories or they see a movie, they almost expect certain behaviors or they insert themselves and say, I, I would never say that, or how could she say that? Or even when things happen when, you know, it's late at night on a college ca- campus, like, why was she walking home alone? Or they were drinking so much. It's just fascinating to me that within these situations where there is such clear victimization, that we still find room for judgment. Yeah, If that makes sense. Like, when she said, I genuinely felt this, and then... When I shared it, people were judgmental and upset. That was the truth for me. I don't know. I, I I felt like that sucks. Yeah, no, I was like mad for her in that situation. She was vulnerable enough to share this story publicly and then to have people judge her for her experience. I was angry for her in that moment when she was describing that. Well, it's, two things can be true. She had moments where she felt like she was standing next to somebody who was acting kind. And then she felt like she was with a monster. And that's her experience. And I don't know. It's just really interesting that we pick apart probably more so with women, I think. Oh, totally. Again, like, oh, she was drunk or she was wearing this or she shouldn't have been walking home alone or why would you be running late at the park? Or it it's just crazy to me when obviously the circumstances of this story goes without saying how traumatic it was for her and still is at this point in her life. But it was that piece of it was really interesting that as she shares her story, people had expectations of what she should and should have not felt and experienced. And that was one where she got some judgment and confusion and perhaps pushback. And then also people wanted her to be more panicked and emotionally dysregulated than she was. She didn't panic immediately because, as she said, her emotions shut down and she let her 
logic takeover to survive. I I just thought all of that was something I had never really thought about it. And she explained it in such great detail. Yeah, the detail and the way that she shares how it all happened. And then the aftermath too. And every talk about wisdom, how she's now teaching her children body autonomy and body autonomy for herself in relationship to her children. I just think aside from the trauma and trauma response of the episode, she brought it full circle. And it's a really great episode to learn the language surrounding that and how to maybe talk to your children or teach your children or just introduce those conversations about the importance of boundaries and space and advocating for yourself, not even in traumatic situations, but just in everyday life. At one point she was talking about little kids. And if you tickle a little kid and they say, stop, stop, stop. This came up for me because I mean, when you're young, you just play fight, right? And it immediately brought back memories of when I was little and would be in a tickle fight with a sibling or someone and just be goofing around. But it would create this angst, anxiety, this claustrophobic feeling like I can't get away. And when someone very innocently doesn't stop when you advocate for yourself and create a boundary of, I don't want you to do that anymore. It, that stays with you yeah. to this day. I mean, for various reasons, but to this day, if someone grabs my wrist too hard or something to where I feel like I'm like confined or can't get away, I will go into immediate panic. Well, that's a lot about what she talked about is that trauma gets stored in your body. And I mean, you've talked about some of your past and domestic abuse and how those things stay with you and years and decades past and they show up, right? In the way that that people interact with you and people touch you in certain situations. And she still very much lives with that. Yeah. She knows that her present reality is often informed by this past trauma. And not only is she so thoughtful about it, like you said, with her kids and teaching her kids how to communicate their boundaries or when something doesn't feel right or safe or out of control. She also, and I think this is true of many of our guests, has found meaning and purpose to make a impact out of what happened to her as a young girl. And part of her work now, in addition to many other things, is doing trainings around the country for law enforcement, social workers, people who are at the first point of interaction, primarily for girls and women who have been sexually assaulted. What she knows is how crucial and critical that moment is for them and how they shape their experience and their view of themselves, either as a victim, a survivor, down to the language and the body language. That first encounter matters. And she is flying around the country educating these people from a very informed and personal space. And the ripple effect of that, of these young girls, teenagers, now their first conversation is more empowered, more empathetic. That part was really interesting, too. She said from the get-go, 
here you are and everyone is telling you what to do, what to feel, how, and you have already been robbed of your autonomy and control. And so she's really kind of reshaping one police station at a time how that communication happens. Yeah, I was just thinking that. It's just such incredibly important work that she does. And when she talked about when once she returned home and she was safe and protected, she had to go for the, what is it called? The exam. The rape kit. Yeah. Yeah. Just how how caring the people that took care of her were with giving her power back. And I think that was the root of it is you just went through something that strips you of all of your power and control to even just give someone a glimmer of that back after something like that is just so important and can genuinely change the trajectory of their path of how they cope and deal moving forward from that situation. I just thought that was incredible. People that work on the front lines of things like that, it takes a really incredible person to do that. And it's just so important. And the reintegration into her normal life as a teenager and how freaking bizarre that aspect of where she just wants to distance herself and get back to feeling like a 15-year-old girl and she just... Everyone in the town is talking about it and what happened and you hear and going back to high school and how uncomfortable that that part of it. You know, you don't think about all of these additional layers, obviously, the trauma of what happened to her in those 18 hours, but so many of the things after and the days and the weeks and the months that compounds that trauma. Yeah, I mean, there was... Aside from the obvious, just so much taken from her as an adolescent girl. Yeah. And to learn how to cope and deal with that moving forward through therapy and the different types of therapy that she talked about, which is so cool. Like to go back to the notion of our brains are so powerful, but our bodies, our bodies are just incredible the way that they store this information and, and carry it and how you almost have to go through this disconnect to actually release it. I don't know mm -hmm. if you've ever done EMDR therapy, but it is so cool. And you truly like feel the release of it uh, from your body. Explain what it is. I've only done a couple sessions of it. I didn't go through the entire process, but it's almost kind of like a hypnosis to where you're listening to something with your therapist and they're playing sounds or you can do tapping too but you the person you're working with the professional walks you through that time and essentially you're working together to process it but as you're processing it something with i think the sound body uh, connection helps you actually let it go well part of you know the other thing so much of the decades she went immediately to disassociation, right, which is her mind left her body because the trauma was so intense that her body and her mind literally could not survive it. So disconnecting was a surviving mechanism. And what she said is she stayed in that state for decades. And what that did not make space for was the opportunity 
to address it head on and begin healing from it. And as an adult and having kids, she starts realizing, right, that she's never, what she said is she didn't have a lot of resources to work with all of these clinicians and professionals and half of these things she learned online on YouTube about emotional regulation, about tapping. So she was really like researching how you heal from trauma and saying, I know I need to feel this. I know I need to go back to the trauma to process it, to figure out how to feel it. And it's just amazing. She's amazing at, at every turn, but that it took all those decades later to say, because really from the beginning, she was like, I'm fine. I'm getting back to my life. And that at one point, the light comes on that I am, in fact, living in a body of trauma and I want to set that free. So that, I mean, there's a million cool things about her story. And all, also about there's many things that people can relate to, hard and difficult things, you know, cancer, the loss of a spouse, There are very few people who have been kidnapped, tortured, and lived to tell about it. And as we know, when you have somebody who has a shared experience, there is real comfort and community and meeting those people. And she talked about meeting Elizabeth Smart and a couple of other women and just how surreal that was because her whole life, she walks around clearly never have bumped into somebody else who had been kidnapped by a serial murderer and, you know, survived to live and tell about it. This is really funny for a little wiser because we're like, what one thing stuck out to you? And we're we're now on thing, you know, 17. Well, it was so layered and there was so much. Like, I have so many questions, even post-episode, you know what I mean? But it's just so interesting to me to understand how we cope and deal in the real world in real time. What does, how does it show up in our lives now? How do we heal from it? And then how do we deal with it in our everyday lives and in relationship with other people? Yeah, a lot of layers, a lot of layers. Lots of layers. She's like all of our guests, she's really amazing, but she is truly a survivor and is making a positive impact and difference. I do think it was interesting how almost immediately she, what I heard from her is that she knew she would get out, that somehow the whole thing of her escaping and unlocking the carabiner and the handcuffs I mean, every, at every point, everything she did was like superpowers. But yeah, she survived and eventually realized how much trauma was living with her and then found a way without, again, having the resources to work with tons of specialists to really heal that trauma and at the same time work with people around the country so other girls and women, you know, their early experiences are positive. All of that, I mean, what about us? What about yeah, us? Yeah, truly. Yeah. All right. Well, next week's episode is, it's really, really something I have, I'll say this, something I have never, ever, ever thought about. 
until I read this story. And then I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I have talked to many smart friends and people in the last few weeks saying, they're like, what are you working on? They all had the same reaction. So it involves the prison system. It involves the death penalty. And it is freaking eye-opening. I can't wait to listen. I haven't dove in yet, but I know I personally can't wait because I know all of the background that went into it. I get a little relentless when I have a guest or a story that I think we need to have on the show. I am relentless and I stalk Tara and (laughs) I tried this and I tried this and I'm like, well, have you tried flying to Milwaukee and his grandma and apple pie. Have you tried that? Because if you haven't, we're not done. No, I love it. It shows just how how important it is. Well, if the story matters and makes a difference and needs to be told, then we stay the course. Yeah. And and, yeah, because sometimes it's not a matter of, if someone says, no, I don't want to tell the story. But if it's a matter of just making sure we get the request directly to them and they understand the project. And that can oddly take weeks and months. And this is one that took us a while. Yeah, it's going to be We will see you next week and take care of yourselves, take care of one another, and we'll see you next week. Bye, Kimmy. Bye, Tara. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.